0: welcome to ctn cio talk network with your host sun joe all comments views and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host guests and callers now here's sun joe
1: Hello and uh, welcome to CTN. To learn more about the show, please visit ciotalknetwork.com. And today's topic is steps to always available, scalable, and relevant IT. So what we are talking about here, so we have IT being uh, utilized in almost everything. You want uh, IT to become the very foundation for your business growth, and you want business to go to the next level of innovation. But then, at the same time, we also hear a lot of issues where IT itself requires a makeover because there could be issues with leadership, you could have a lot of skill gap, you have people getting burnt out, you got budget issues. Nothing new that I'm talking about here, but this keeps compounding and this it, it keeps growing as the reliance on uh, IT is increasing, but so are the challenges. So would it not be a good time for us to reimagine it and do it so that it's always available scalable and is relevant to what the business wants so to discuss this we have dara mahon who's the evp and chief information officer with werner enterprises hey dara how are you
2: i'm good how are you doing
1: very good sir very good great to have you now up uh, as i've set the stage nothing new that we're talking about it having challenges etc but then if you look at in the last couple of years and, and the future ahead, which looks like a faster future and a more complex future ahead, what do you see is uh, changing with respect to the demands on IT, qualitatively, quantitatively? What What's going on?
2: So I think... You know, it, first of all, I think you got to look back at where IT was and what it was expected of IT. I don't know, twenty, twenty-five years ago, and I think the change has been just dramatic between that period of, you know, the late '90s, early 2000s to today. So back then, you know, in IT, essentially, and I'm going to I'm going to be a little bit hard on IT here, but I think we felt a little bit that we always knew better. We knew what the right technology was. We knew we we we, we would just implement a technology and and sort of force the business into using it. And I think it's turned just 180 degrees from there and now I believe it's it's the opposite we we, we I believe the role of a CIO and the IT is to work with the business pick solutions that work pick solutions that they need and want and sort of believe that IT the technology should fade into the background it just becomes a part of what they do and how they do it every day it just works uh, works well now I think you know if you look at any large scale change, and there's been massive, the move to the cloud, the move to SaaS platforms over the past couple of years, past decade, decade and a half. It's just, uh, there are large scale changes. They require a lot of effort. They require a lot of work, and with all of that, just as everything in IT challenges has come with it. So I feel like the the real challenge is making that, making that change from sort of on-premise based, you know, old monolithic, ERP platforms, if you will, things like that, to to more SaaS-based, many multiple applications on plat- SaaS platforms that are connected with APIs, and I think APIs are a massive part of what we do, and, and sort of create help help us help us tremendously. But but it's still challenging. You have got to move off of those old platforms onto these brand new SaaS platforms. Um, I'm not sure that answers your question. I think you know for me it becomes more about now I've got to be an all rounder. So, you know, 20 years ago, the role of the CIO was technology and nothing but technology. Now, you know, I've got to walk around and I've got to understand what HR are going through. I've got to know what marketing are doing. I've got to know what sales are doing. So all of the different departments, operations are really important for us. It's how we run our business every day. So I think I've got to have a really good understanding and my team have got to have a really good understanding of what all of those departments do every day and what they go through. And then we can help them find the solutions that work.
1: So, you know, your response and this topic reminds me of a conversation I had a long time back with the CIO of NASDAQ. Yeah. And I asked him, you know, because they are supposed to be always available, right? And, and so I asked him, how on earth would anyone be able to cope up with that craziness? He, he said that, you know, it takes a different breed of leaders and a different breed of people to be able to work in that type of an environment. Now, I believe we are almost expecting every company which does not have that level of deep pockets or the industry itself is not geared towards using technology to that level. But somehow the expectation is from every company, no matter what size, shape or form it is, they are always supposed to be always available, always allowing people to do things better. But but the infrastructure, the people, the processes—they have not caught up.
2: Yeah. What do you do you with know that? What? I think for me, you know, and, and I think we all feel the pressure. It does take a different type of person, a different type of leader, to manage an always-on environment. And you know, we're a twenty—I mean, we we we're, we're a big trucking company, right? We we're twenty-four-seven. We have you know we have drivers on the road all the time. We've got to make sure that that infrastructure to support those people is always on. And for me, it comes down to you know a couple of things. I think diversification is a big part of it, right? So if your operation runs entirely on one data center, on one set of servers, and you've got a problem there, you're down. So the diversification for me comes from moving everything to SaaS platforms in the cloud. And even the stuff that we build, we're building it as a SaaS platform in the cloud. Um, and, and, you know, you can, in my mind, what it comes down to is I think a, a big CRM platform or a big, you know, TMS platform, transportation management system platform that's in the cloud, they'll do a much better job of, you know, their, their only job is to make sure that their platform is available all the time. So, they, you know, you, you'll get, you know, you'll get diversification, ge- geographical changes, you'll have data centers in the, you know, in the, in the West and the East and in the Central US or even in Europe. Um, So to me, I can outsource that need, you know, that availability. You know, I can put that on somebody else and I can manage it through SLAs and contracts, but I can also make it diversified by using multiple platforms in multiple data centers. Um, Now, the on-prem stuff, you've got to do it very similar. You've got to run a 24 by 7 operation. You've got to watch and monitor closely. You've got to be ready to, you know, look. I always say to the team, no problem in IT starts as a big problem. or very few of them do. They always start as something small. There's always an indication. So I really believe that the better monitoring you do, and when you see that, you know that small issue happening, it becomes larger. If you can stop it before it gets to be that big issue, um, you know, network is a classic example. There's always signs that there's going to be a network issue if you just know where to look for them and if you see them and recognize them. So there's a lot to do with monitoring. So in my mind, it's it's sort of, you know. Build on SaaS platforms because they have high availability. That's what they're designed for. The stuff that you, the stuff that you have to build internally—that you, you know, for us it's what we call our secret sauce, the thing that nobody does better than we can. And um, what we do then is we we make sure that that is a high availability by monitoring it really, really closely and being ready to switch over to another data center or another SaaS platform if we have to. Does that make sense?
1: Absolutely. So. You know, the CFO will have to be mighty happy with the IT people, which they usually, I'm sure they may be happy, but they don't open up their purse strings to that end. And when you're talking about initiatives like taking it to SaaS, not, not a bad idea, but then it doesn't. it's not as slam dunk that you just tomorrow from, and, uh, like on-prem you move to SaaS. There's a lot of change that happens technically and people-wise and everything else, which all takes money. How an average company which cannot justify moving to another platform, but yet expected to have that new age availability and, and, and capability that IT offers so that the business can innovate. Who Who is going and making the case with the CFO suddenly, where for many years you did not need it, but now you need it, and if you don't get money, then what? Do you lose the race? Do you Do you compromise? how do you tackle the reality here
2: well i think the reality is is that it's it's the cio's job i mean i think it's incumbent on the cio or or you know the leadership team whoever owns technology to make that case and and if if companies and i think this is this is really it's a problem that's happening all across you know every every level you know whether it's it's large cap small cap medium cap or non public companies I think the, the issue is, is that you've got to spend the money, you've got to see technology. The, the argument really is technology has to be seen as an investment and not an expense. And I think, I think slowly we're winning that argument and we're, and people are seeing, especially CFOs and, and CEOs are seeing that a technology really is it's, it's an investment in the future of any company, not an expense and not something that's to be written off as an expense. So I think that's the first part. You've got to make the argument, you've got to make it really, really clearly. I think customers or co- companies that are, that aren't willing to invest in technology aren't willing to take that big bite and move to the latest and greatest and keep there, um, they're they're sort of doomed for failure because I don't think you can can exist in this digital world, um, in this age, you know, especially after the pandemic and how how buying trends have changed. I don't think that you can um, I don't think that you can survive unless you invest heavily in in technology. So quite frankly, for me, if if I was in a company that I didn't see the need to invest in technology. I really would question if I need to be there or not.
1: Now, that said, let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And let's talk about uh, the less-than-ideal case. So, uh, Dara, in your case, you're progressive. I'm assuming your company also listens to you. That's why you are able to morph. But then there may be many who may be not necessarily complaining, but something may be holding IT as a department, that leader, from being able to truly become what they ought to become. And it is compounded by the disruptions that we saw because of pandemic, geopolitical, many other things which may have created issues and they may have compounded issues. And all of those in some form or fashion are also going to impact how and to what degree it is transformed and in in that same vein how much of it can actually transform the business or allows it to deal with these disruptions bounce back as needed and keep moving forward so what are those top challenges let's talk more when we come back please stay tuned
0: cio talk network with sun joke all at ciotalknetwork.com you are listening to ctn cio talk network with sun joke all to learn more about our program please visit ciotalknetwork.com now back to the show
1: Welcome back. So, uh, Dara, like I, I, I end up facilitating quite a few events. And this is one of my favorite questions that, hey, you want to touch the moon. But in your role as a technology leader, what truly holds you back from making IT become the very backbone and truly support where the business wants to go? And especially when you have had these situations related to disruptions, how have those challenges morphed? How would you answer this?
2: Yeah, it's a tough question. I, I think, you know, the challenge, the real challenge is, is that we allow, I think we allow our IT systems our technology platforms to become so, so complex and so just sort of, you know, complicated across the board, that when we decide to move or to update or to upgrade, you know, we have a big problem on our hands. We have a massive project or a massive product delivery needed. So, I think the first thing is, you know, we've got to recognize that we've kind of got ourselves into this own state, this this state of complexity that is really, really difficult to unwind. Um. So, I think that's where you got to start. So, the first the first part of the challenge is look. For ways to simplify, how do we get out of these complex processes that we probably have customized to the extent that nobody, you know, nothing you're going to move to is going to do it the way that you've been doing it. So I always, when I go to a new platform or look at a new application, I always tend to look at how do they do that process that we're trying to do, and why would we be any different from that. So I think you know the complexity, the the challenge is the complexity, and and the first step on that is to just make it as simple as possible. Work with your business counterparts. Uh, sort of, you know, and push very hard to make these processes as simple as possible so that they fit standard applications, for whether they're on-prem or SaaS, and hopefully they will be SaaS because I think that's the way everybody needs to go.
1: So, I, I heard you use the this, this term SaaS quite a bit. Are you saying that this could almost become yep. a panacea for companies in the days and age that we are living in today?
2: Yeah, I, I I believe it is the panacea i mean i think and i've done this you know i've done it once a complete transformation i've, I've taken an entire company to the cloud uh, their application stack um you know their, their internal it stack to the cloud and i'm in the midst of doing it again at werner and i think it, it is the panacea because what happens is is that when you get to that stack you've eliminated it, it can be expensive the move can be expensive but the roi over time always works out But I think the move is the big part. You get there and what you've done now is I don't ever have to worry about upgrading servers, upgrading hardware, upgrading network. Well, maybe network upgrading the application itself anymore right i have no i don't need to go rack and stack anymore nor do i need to upgrade the application because that gets done as a part of the SaaS. so i eliminate all that expense in the future by paying a monthly bill it's a costly monthly bill but like i said the roi always works out so i think it's the panacea once you're there you don't have to worry about it you know there's constant delivery of, of new product features new functionality um so i think that that helps you you don't have to worry about that you can also influence that a little bit if you if you pick the right vendors and then i think what you look at then is how do i connect all of these applications together to create an ecosystem that works for my company and you use apis for that and there's you know there's multiple api platforms out there or you can write your own i would i would advocate to, to use one of the platforms so i think this the big step is to get there but once you get there the rewards are so great in terms of I can now move really fast on a technology stack that's always, or, or new, almost always upgraded, modernized and ready to go.
1: People talk about cloud suitability of applications. And when you have a bunch of legacy apps and there are still many, many companies who may be running green screen, so let's not go that far, even regular client server or even web applications. Hey,
2: Sanjog, we're, we're running, we're still running, we're still running green screens here, so I, oh. <laughs> I
1: Okay. So 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 you, you see what I'm talking about. So when you're trying to yeah. move to SaaS, you're not necessarily saying lock stock and barrel, cut over to it, but instead what you are saying is try to increase the number of applications or your portfolio as much as possible to SaaS as quickly as possible, it is still going to be a journey. But that intentionality should drive the investments and your effort and energy. Is that what you're saying?
2: Yeah, that's ex- that's exactly what I'm saying. And I think you know I'll give you I'll give you an example. We just moved to one of the the big SaaS um, HRMS p- slash payroll platforms, um, and we done it in about twelve months from start to finish. But we did it incrementally. So, you know, we started and we just moved to HRMS and we used the functionality around human, you know, the human resource management system. So, just stuff like promotions, hiring, applications, you know, how do we do just all the workflow that you expect to see in a HRMS. So, we did that first. Then we moved the office payroll platform to it and, and we did that. And then we moved the driver. And the, you can imagine our driver payroll is, is, is a large payroll. We've got a lot of drivers. So, we did it all gradually across a twelve month period and now we have everything on this platform and now we're you know we'll incrementally you know we're agile so we make incremental improvements to it. But the reality is is we still do some of the gross calculations for payroll on our on our AS four hundred, on our green screen applications, because that's where the you know that's where we're we're managing loads, that's where we we know how many miles a driver has driven, how many stops they made, etc. So we're not hundred percent off it. We're still doing the calculation on green screen applications. But we're slowly moving those calculations to this app this SaaS platform right now. So it'll take all in all it'll take about two years to complete it, but it will be one hundred percent done and we didn't do a big bang in any of this.
1: So you are saying that there would be a combination of some things which you will rip apart, others you will chip away at it. And and, and that combination is what you're gonna try to use. To tackle these challenges now, while you do that, while you have this flux, business could always come and challenge you that, hey, you're taking your own sweet time, and that is holding business back, or it's not allowing me to accelerate. What's your answer to the business guys then?
2: Um, so the you know, I think first of all, you're absolutely right, Sanjog. I mean, the business. Absolutely, I mean, my entire career the business of that's the accusation to IT. Right, you're taking too long. It's too <laughs> slow. We need to move <laughs> faster. I mean, we all, yeah, we've all lived with that, and I still live with it. But I think the answer to that is to build a good relationship with the business leaders and and the business in general. And IT, that's what I mean by IT is no longer this insulator, you know, insulated team who just work in a silo and deliver stuff. What we've got to be is talking to the business every every day. So what we've done at Werner is, you know, we've become, and which I believe is the future of IT, is product-driven IT. So we look at every business process and every business as, as a product, and, we, and we, we have product managers, and we tell those product managers, we want you to be the CEO of this, this, this product, right? So whether it's what we're doing sales on or how we're recruiting, whatever the platform is, you're the product manager, you're the CEO, go work with the business, go f- get all their feedback, and then deliver what they need incrementally. So that's the first part the second part is you've got to learn how to say no and it's a hard it's a really hard conversation to have with people who are trying to drive revenue and improve operations and build efficiency and increase margin all the things that those business leaders are trying to do but you've got to, you've got to you know you got to keep your 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 focus on the prize and and for us the big prize is to build out our tms platform with all of the ancillary systems that go along with it It's not to build new functionality on green screen applications and it's not to build functionality that's throw away in 12 months. It's to keep our eyes and focus on the big, the big solution, which is that application and that platform. And as a part of that, you've got to sit down and explain to those people and you know, you build a relationship with them, explain to those leaders, those business leaders, why we're not going to do this. What's, you know, what, what's the, the reasoning for that. And, how you do that is, you know, you've you worked with them, you build credibility, you then start to deliver and they start to see the goal. There's always a rough period here and the rough period is saying no. But you've got to yeah. learn how to do it.
1: So so you, you've done one transformation that you just mentioned and you're on to another. Yeah. Would you say you've determined your playbook and you repeat it or there are nuances so that there are some common denominators that you find and then some of things are... Very specific to a given environment. What have you found? What's been your learning?
2: If you were to call is, yourself
1: a student versus yeah, an expert, I,
2: I, and I'm not an expert, that's for sure. Um, I think I think Sanjay the, the the playbook is similar, but there's a ton of learnings. I mean, I, you know, I sit down and I, you know, I think we all know this, but you learn an awful lot more from your failures or your missteps than you ever do from your successes. And I think you know, I look back and I see all of the, you know, all of the like for example at my last company i think what i what i didn't do enough up front was getting the support of the c-suite you know just an example and when i felt like i wasn't getting that support i just kind of said well screw it we're going to go anyway and that was that was a mistake i should have spent more time getting that support so what i did at werner for example was made sure before i come on board that there was a stomach to do this really hard work and thankfully there was and still has been but i spent a lot of time building you know, just building that relationship with the C-suite, with, with my peers on the C-suite, and making sure that we're all bought into this and we understand the hard work, you know, telling them the no's are going to happen before I say no. Um, so I think that was a big learning from me. I think um, increment, you know, delivering stuff incrementally is much better than trying to do massive cutovers. I've learned that the hard way. So we did, we did several of those, you know, at my last transformation, which worked, but, but they were just too much change for the business to accept, so we had to backtrack some of it. And I think, you know, I've learned from there now we're doing much, we're, we're, we're focused on much more incremental change. How can we cut over a small piece of the business to this new platform and then take more, you know, cut over more and more over time, not, not all at once. So absolutely, I think the playbook is improving, the playbook is learning, and, and I'm definitely, you know, I love the word that you use, a student. I'm a student of what we're doing, I'm certainly not a master.
1: Let's take a quick break, listeners. Uh, when we come back, uh, sadara so let's talk about this change management journey that you've gone through, the first you've done, and then I'm sure others as well as this one that you're going through. Every time you do it, it's, it can be painful. It could be consuming. And now going forward, we know that the changes will become the status. Uh, like It is the constant. The change is the constant, which means we got to do something where we make IT future ready, but future fit. And such that, that you have to do fewer of these change management initiatives or do it at a smaller scale for it to not disrupt things and, and business starts looking at you and saying, hey, you built me something which has, which has the flexibility, which has the resilience, it has the reliability for it to not only work for my business today and also with, with where we want to go, what's ahead of the curve. But in order for you to do that, there has to be some, um, you know, core principles that you would drive such a change management so that the next iteration of IT for that company will be that future fit and future ready versus saying, hey, I got people to SaaS. Tomorrow there could be something else which is not SaaS. Then what? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back and explore.
0: cio talk network with sun joke all at ciotalknetwork.com you are listening to ctn cio talk network with sun joke all now back to the show
1: Welcome back. So change is constant, as we all have spoken about on this show, and people know that for a fact. Now, when we are going to go through this change, there is resources involved, people involved, money is involved. So any change uh, is, is an investment, hopefully. You've done some in your organizations. Other leaders are also doing in their own. But every time when they do it, should it be a knee jerk reaction based change initiative Or should it be uh, taking a step back, thinking it through and saying, hey, this time when I'm going to make this change, this is going to take IT to a level which is not going to be requiring another set of uh, such major changes. Maybe then we would be tinkering with it. Can we shape IT given all the technologies and all the understanding of what IT can do and should be doing? Can we give it a shape which will have some staying power it will not require to be redone, as much at least.
2: Yeah. No. I, and again, I think I'm back. You know, I'm back to, and I know this sounds like I'm harping on about SaaS applications built on API APIs. That's that's what that's what the goal is for me. Right? Is to build a platform that I never have to do a massive change to again. And and what we look at is we build out this platform. We have these applications that that you know that the vendors that the software provider, the application provider, is always updating, always staying with what needs to happen. Because if they don't, they die. And 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 thankfully, that hasn't really happened with any of the, any of the really good SaaS platforms or SaaS applications. So you build that. You connect the the connective tissue here is APIs, which can you know are very relatively easy. You know, I wouldn't say simple, but they're close to simple to evolve and keep changing. And you connect all of these applications together. The beauty of that is, you know, if one of those applications is not doing what you needed to do, it, because the data movement is already in place with the API, it's relatively simple to, to you know, kick that, that application out and replace it with something that will do what you want it to do. However, I, you know, so far I have not had to change a major component of any environment that I've built in a SaaS API environment. So I think what you're looking for is constant evolution. You never sit still, which is where we got ourselves to with the with the on-prem megalithic platforms, right? Monolithic platforms. You, you you it was just such a massive, you know, those old ERP platforms. It was such a massive change to get them, you know, to get them updated. And then when you did get them updated, you were you were still the two years behind that it took to make the change to begin with. So I believe, really believe, and and I've seen it work. If you build on SaaS platforms, SaaS applications connected with APIs, you 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 sort of negate that name that that big change or that big upgrade project is gone. It doesn't happen anymore, and IT can then focus on making those applications do what the business needs needs them to do.
1: Now, when when you're doing this uh, in terms of this uh, SaaS base, and you're you're betting your life, like it's your lifeline in a way, right? Because that's what you're using as a foundation, and you you write that. I'd say companies who've done, who are in this business, they have been doing a phenomenal job to keep the disruptions to the minimum. Yep. Is this a fear of the unknown or is it uh, a backup that we should always keep, like a plan B? So should you have a plan B in IT? Because once you go SaaS, there's no looking back and you're dependent uh, on them.
2: Yeah, you're dependent on them. I mean, to me, so the plan B is is it's kind of like a rollback plan, and I have a sort of a saying around here: no rollbacks, right? So sometimes you spend so much time on the plan B that you don't do the plan A correctly, and and I feel like so the plan B it's almost like you're you're expecting failure uh, or or expecting that this probably won't work long term. So then you're not really bought into it. So. You know it's hard for me to say it but uh, you know I, I don't do a lot of plan Bing. i don't do a lot of rollback planning just because of that i feel like if if, if you set yourself up to like i remember you know you will remember rolling up massive erp projects and we always had a rollback plan and if i could have just had the 15 people who worked on those rollback plans pushing us forward and working on on making the rollout great i don't you know and, and we very seldom use the rollback plan or, you know or the fallback plan so to me a plan b is almost it's an admission that you're going to fail. Um, I know that's not exactly it. I know there's a lot of very, con- you know, there's a lot of other CIOs who would disagree with me. But I, you know, I always have a plan B at the back of my mind, but I don't focus on it too much, nor do I get the team to focus on it too much.
1: And and you are very excited about this new uh, journey. I'm sure I can see, I can hear that in your voice. How do you ensure that that uh, excitement is contagious in the right way? for the people who are working with you from your tech team, yep. but also the business leaders, while it may be transparent, not, not not transparent, opaque to them, how you're running the shop, behind the scenes you changed uh, what how you were running it. So for them, the capability is still there, but you've just moved it from an on-prem to a SaaS platform. Perhaps that's how you are positioning it. But then there is still, uh, they're not unaware They're not going to ignore it, but you want them to be on board. And if anything goes south, you want them to be a little more tolerant. You want people who are working within IT as they go through this transformation to be excited and also bring their A game. But you also want business unit leaders and management and business users to become a little tolerant till you truly stabilize it. How do you do this dual uh, how do you pull pull this off the dual so, agenda?
2: Yeah, so I think you break it down into components, Sanjog, and let's let's think about okay, the IT team first, right? So they've got to be bought in, they've got to be a hundred percent or as close to a hundred percent on board as they can possibly be. So you got to have the right people, and you know, and, and that means a couple of things. You know, coming into Warner, for example, this was a team that were working on a lot of different on-site, on site on on premise, you know, products and. So there was a big change for these guys, and thankfully, most of them were ready for it. I mean, I think there were a lot of people who were sort of tired of working on green screen applications and were ready to learn a new modern technology uh, to work on the cloud, I mean because they'd seen their counterparts and you know their friends working on these systems in other companies, and they just wanted to do it. So again, very lucky here in Werner, we got the, you know we had a great team of people who who really made that transformation. Now we did lose some people along the way um but but for the most part we kept the people who were here some of them have reskilled they've, they've learned different things um some of them, we still have to keep those old green screens up and running so we've got a team of people who are excited about doing that because it, you know that's what they 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 like to work on those but, so there's still a path for them here for a while but you know almost all of them have agreed to reskill and learn a new platform learn some of the saas platforms we're working to so i think you know, but part of that is just constant communication. Be very clear on your vision. You know, don't hold back at the beginning and I didn't. You know, I, I said to them at the very beginning, hey, this might not be for everybody. And if it's not for you, that's fine. And and I'll help you in any way I can if you want to move on. Um but for the people who want to be a part of this, here's what I my expectations are of you, here's the vision, here's the plan. And I think that worked extremely well because we did keep a lot of those people they they stayed and they reskilled and they're still here, so part of it is just energy, it's being very clear in your vision, very clear on where you're going, and being helpful to those who don't want to go along on the journey with the business side, I think well, let me tell you this first of all, when you're on green screens, it's not hard to convince people that you need to move right <laughs> absolutely I mean, like it really isn't right so you know in every aspect of people's lives, technology and you you know ease of use great user experience great ui is there so it's really easy to tell someone hey you know the, the experience you get on on you know your phone we can do that but we just can't do it on green screen so we got to move off green screen so i think that excitement just happens organically because people go oh great we're going to move off green screen and we have so i think that was a big chunk of it but it's also you know these business leaders recognize when we talk to some of our largest customers and they're doing the same thing they ask us, hey, we need to interface here, we need to connect here, and it takes us six months because we're trying to interface through a green screen versus we can say, hey, if we were on you know, SaaS applications, we could probably do that in three days. And that's a reality, so, and, and we've done that. So they've seen that and they come along. So a lot of it is, like I said earlier, building credibility, showing these people what you can do, showing them what they can do in the future. Um, and again, just build that that constant excitement, you know, keep communicating, and we do a ton of communication here around what we're doing, around the vision around what the plan is, but then you've also got to deliver right if you don't deliver, it doesn't matter, so we've been delivering incremental improvements, like you know the payroll it's It is so much better for drivers, for example, how they view and see the payroll now compared to a year ago, so it's all about delivering to them, and I think finally, you know at a board level. At a, at a senior level, you've got you to gotta make sure that you keep that team engaged, that they know what you're doing, that they're excited about what you're doing. And for me, again, at the board, we, we every single board meeting, we have a lot of conversation around technology, what we're doing. You know, Everything comes up, cybersecurity, what we're doing on the CRM side, what we're doing on the, TR, the, the transportation management platform. So we're very, very clear. We don't hide anything, and we, we just do constant communication around the vision and, and where we're headed.
1: So management usually would not want to care and do does not care about the mechanics of technology, right? Yep. So you're you, you, you are anyway keeping it under wraps and or you don't, don't need to tell all of that. But they do want reliability, at least a promise of reliability that they will not be on Wall Street because of a security breach or they would not be down and that will cause them reputational loss. Yep. You cannot guarantee that either. And when you have a hybrid environment where some of them are legacy and some of them are SaaS and we have had outages in SaaS and then, of course, you could have outages at your end. Do you say, give me a million dollars, but I can give you 90% availability? What's your negotiation?
2: Um, so I think, yeah, part of it is you've got to give me the money to make sure that I can create high available systems. Um, part of it is, you know, you're right. We, we, have, we could have outages on any platform and we have had it. Um, so part of it is, you know, giving them the the confidence in the vendors that we pick to 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 provide our SaaS platforms. So pick the vendors who have a proven track record, who will commit to an SLA on a contract, you know, who will commit to uptime SLAs on a contract, who will commit to to you know response times on a contract. So literally, you know, it's picking the right vendors that that have a, that have built a name for themselves and that you know can deliver. So that's the SaaS side of it. On the other side of it, it really is about, okay, you've got to give me the money to do this. But again, I've got to have a plan. I've got to show them that plan. I've got to show them why that money is well spent and will create that high available platform. And thankfully, again, we've been able to do that here at Werner. um, But it really is about open, honest communication around a vision and a plan and where you're headed. And you know, if you do that well, um, I found that our board in particular and our management in particular have been very, very supportive of it.
1: How would you rate your uh, digital, uh, and how much? How much have you embraced digital, so you can say we have become almost close to a digital native or a digital first organization? Let me ask you that as the first question.
2: So, I, I think you know it's actually funny that you talk about this because you know I I I, I sort of hate the term digital platform, and I use it occasionally, but it, it, it sort of you know to me it's a, it's almost. A, and I, and I don't want to, it's almost a lazy way of describing what's going on in, in, in technology at the moment. I mean, most companies have been digital for decades, right? You know, no company, no matter how sort of, you know, adverse to, to technology that they are, I, I don't have a website. They have they have some form of digital footprint, some sort of, of, of com- technology available. So I think we have to be really careful about that. Um, so I think for us, Every single thing we do, every process we do, other than possibly you know you know some of the works mechanic the mechanics do and drivers' hitch and trailers, has got some sort of technology involved in it, so we're completely almost a hundred percent digital and and this company has been for three decades um so I think it's all about building the newer. Greater, better digital platform. The technol- using technology in a different way versus describing it as a move to digital. And I know that's not exactly the question you asked, but I just sort of get on my my soapbox about that. So I don't think we're doing a digital transformation. I think it's sort of that's become a buzzword. We're really just enhancing what we already have.
1: So, if if you, of course, you know, and, and you have the right to the opinion that digital, you know, sure. because it has been misused and uh, misconstrued in so many different ways right digital word is is such an interesting word but then when we when we are trying to change fundamentally how our users internal users and how our customers experience us that's where the opportunity lies on whatever uh, the newer innovation which is technology enabled innovation that you can bring to them that's what if i were to simplify the definition of digital that's what it would be now when you're when you're trying to go there would you say for your industry, let's take that specifically, what would be a holy grail of you calling yourself? Yes, we are digitally fit, digital first, digital native, comparable. What would that look like? What's the holy grail there?
2: For for Werner, it's, it's really simple, and this kind of is the vision statement that we're going to be the first North American major truckload carrier to move all of our operations and technology to the cloud. And that, you know, so that's the line, right? And that's sort of the elevator pitch. The the Behind that, what we're saying is, is that every single application we have, whether we buy it or we build it, uh, will be in the cloud running on SaaS platforms, either public or private. I mean, it doesn't really matter to me, um, as long as it's the best in breed or the best that we need, I suppose is the better way to put it. So they're in the cloud, they're connected with APIs, and we have easy access to them. Um, from anywhere we happen to be working, so I think to me that's that's sort of the holy grail here: is everything in the cloud, everything is easy to manage, easy to manipulate, easy to ex- you know easy to to in, you know integrate with, you know easy to get data into and out of, and that uh, we then take all of that data that we're collecting and we use it in a way because there's so much that we can do with data um, from an artificial intelligence standpoint, from a machine learning standpoint that that, that the industry as a whole hasn't even touched upon yet.
1: So, if you were to say, if you want this project is done, is it like shut it and forget it and it's going to run on autopilot? Or do you see there are bigger evolutions, bigger pastures, greener pastures that you would go after after you've sassified your tech?
2: Yeah, it's definitely not forget shut it and forget it. I mean, I think, first of all, I, I, I'm trying to, within IT again, become product-driven so we don't talk about projects anymore. Um and again, just not not because project is a bad word, but in my mind in technology, when, when the business here that you're working on a project, they hear six months to 18 months and when they deliver it, it won't be what we want. So we talk about products. Uh, we deliver products, we deliver them incrementally. So for me, it's get there, right? Get everything into the cloud, get all those applications connected with APIs, and then just keep iterating on them, keep improving them. I mean, to me, there's almost a mini goal of when I deliver a product, say when we build in-house, when we deliver that as a SaaS platform, we'll deliver an MVP, a minimal viable product, something that will work and do the job, and then we'll just keep iterating on it. And a mini goal for me is 12 months from now, what you're using does not really look all that much like what we delivered as an MVP, because that means we didn't overthink it at the beginning, and that we've thought an awful lot about it in between.
1: When you are looking at help yourself, like as an individual, as a leader, where do you need help? In doing all of this, because you know you cannot be the Hercules who is carrying everything on your shoulder. Of course, you got teams, but then sometimes yeah. you may not have the answer. And given the times we are in, you will many times not have an answer.
2: Yeah. So I think first of all, I thought you were asking me about where do I where do I need personal help, and that would be a whole show all in this. Whole, um, <laughs> Absolutely. Because I need a lot of it. But but I think so from a professional standpoint, and, and you know you're right. I, look at all i do is facilitate a lot of great people doing great work and um, my job i see my job is to sort of clear the way for them make sure that they have the runway to get the job done now what i believe really really is important is building your network and 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 having people that you can pick up the phone and call you know not outside of my company but, and even outside of my industry sometimes But I've spent 20 years building a network of people that I can pick up the phone and call and ask for advice and help. I have numerous mentors, you know, people that I've worked with. I mean, I say numerous, three or four people I consider mentors that I still call to this day. Um, So it's about building that network. I mean, just recently, you know, we've had an awful lot going on in cybersecurity with with the situation in Eastern Europe. Um, And... Every single day of the week, I'm talking to some of my counterparts or previous colleagues or people I've worked with or, with or, or for before. I pick up the phone and call them, hey, what are you guys doing? What, what's, what's important here? What am I missing about this? So I think it's about having that network. And then internally, it's about hiring great people who can take, you know, who, who, again, I can clear the runway for them, help them with the vision, and they go do the work. And, again, I'm extremely lucky here at Warner. I have a fantastic team who are doing just that. They're doing fantastic work.
1: One last question is, if you were to uh, almost be a clairvoyant and have a crystal ball and kind of knew where this world is going, what would you have done differently if you had to start all over to build something, build that IT which is scalable, which is always available, which is always reliable?
2: Wow, that's a good that's a really good question. I I think what I would do and 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 I'm starting to do now is I would take a chance on more startups. Um more because I think when you go out and I spent a lot of time, in fact, you know, just last week I visited two startups here in, in, in Omaha. Um I think when you look at them, they tend to be more bleeding edge and they tend to have a bigger picture. And I think previously I've shied away from startups kind of saying, Oh, you know, let them let them mature a little bit. But I feel like if I get involved with startups now, I can help them mature a little bit. I can help them um, look at what's going, what's coming, but they also have a different view of technology than I do, and they tend to do uh, things a lot differently, a lot quicker, at a much more pace, and I love pace. I mean, it's one of the things I'm known for around here is move fast, fail fast, recover fast. So I think for me, it would be spend more time with startups, and I'm doing that right now, but I wish I'd have done that 10 years ago. Um, rely on them a little bit more. Look at their tech. Invest a little bit. Give you know, sort of pump some money into that mini economy, that sub economy that's going on with the startup industry. Um, and and again, even if it doesn't work out and that product fails or that startup fails, you've made a contact and you can add them to your network because most of those people are going to be successful. That's what they that's what they intend to do. That's why they're entrepreneurs to begin with. So invest and look at startups more. I think everybody should do that. <laughs>
1: Once again, thanks so much, Dara, for sharing your insights about how organizations and their respective IT leaders can take the necessary steps so that the outcome is an always available, scalable, and relevant IT, which truly delivers real value to the business so that the business becomes relevant, resilient, and reliable for the times to come. Thanks so much, Dara.
2: It was Lovely my pleasure.
1: Conversation uh, here.
2: Thank you. I enjoyed it.
1: And listeners, please connect with us on social media and subscribe to our podcast. Once again, thank you for listening to CTN. This is your host, Sanjog All, signing off.
0: Till next week, take care and God bless. CIO Talk Network with Sunjoke All at ciotalknetwork.com Thank you for tuning in to CTN CIO Talk Network with your host Joe All To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments or questions, please visit ciotalknetwork.com Thank you again for listening